Okay, everyone, if you've got your coffee, go ahead and find your way back to your seats if you don't mind. John Conger's in the back. He's got a whole Yeti full. Go ahead and remain standing if you don't mind. Remain standing for the authority of Scripture. If you have yet to grab a worship guide, you will want to do so for this section of our service. We call this the authority of Scripture where we, we hear the word read and then we respond back to it. So I will read the authority of scripture and then what is in bold, we'd love for you to declare back to the Lord. So this is the word of God coming from Genesis 1, starting in verse 20, says this. And the Lord said, let the water swarm with swarms of living creatures and let birds fly above the earth across the expanse of the heavens. So God created the great sea creatures and every living creature that moves with which the waters swarm according to their kinds and every winged bird according to its kind. And God saw that it was good and God blessed them saying, be fruitful and multiply and fill the waters with the seas and let birds multiply on the earth. And there was evening and there was morning the fifth day. And we all say, for all flesh is like grass. The word of God stands forever. Amen and amen. Go ahead and grab a seat. So we are, obviously we are in the book of Genesis. And if you've been around all summer, you know that we are traveling day by day by day at a slow, methodical pace. Um, and what we're doing in, in here is also what we're gonna do in the back. So if you've got kids in Camp Redstone, just know that we're also doing this and at that pace because we all want one thing. We want God to get the credit for creation. And so that's the kind of the subtitle is like, is God getting the credit? Is God getting the glory for the creation account? I know there's lots of conversations out there of, of who should get the credit, but that's where we stand as a church. And so that's what we're trying to teach the kids in the back and also the big kids out front. And so this is the Genesis account. And we find ourselves on day five. And I want to just share this with you. You may not know this, but I'm a chick magnet. All right. You may not know that, but I am a chick man. I know, but not in the way that you that it's known in society. Let me explain. Because there are two times in my life, two times in my life, the very same thing has happened. Once I was around 12 years old in Georgia, and the second time I was about 19 or 20 here in East Tennessee. But two times, not once, but two times in my life, I've been out in a yard. Once I was in the backyard in Georgia, I was, I think I was, I was uh, riding my bike and I was standing on a retaining wall. It was about three in the afternoon. It was just like any other ordinary summer day for a kid in the fourth or fifth grade, yada, yada, yada. The second time I was 19, I was on a landscaping crew. And I still remember I, we were mulching a lady's yard in Elizabethton and I, we were finishing up the job and we were taking a break. And not once, but twice in my life, out of nowhere, this bird came and lighted on my shoulder. Not once, but twice in the wild. I didn't own these things. Two times a cockatiel has flown out of the heavens and lighted on my shoulders as if to say, you are my daddy. 
Have you ever heard anything like that in your life? Not once, two, the same, not the exact same, but the same type of bird. It wasn't like a parrot. It wasn't like a cardinal. It was two of these, a cockatiel. We ran these ads in the paper, this lady in Elizabeth, and we were able to return it. But in Georgia, nobody claimed this cockatiel. Scott, it is my story. What do you want? Okay, so, so the first, the, set, the one in Georgia, the, the owner didn't. And so do you know what we named him or her? Cocky. You get it? Cocky Teal. It's a cockatiel. Ah, my last name's Teal. Cockatiel. Ah. Right. So yeah. So anyway, day four or day five is about birds. Right. So if you're now not just totally intrigued, what? Well, what will that be? All right. So let's do this. Let's do a little review on where we are in day five. Here we go. Our, uh, one through one through five. Okay. If you've been around, you know that we've breaking, broke it up. Here I go, past tense again. Uh, what we've done is we've broken it down into two columns. Days one, two, and three are, uh, they have some parallels with four, five, and six. So what happens on day one? God creates, okay, I'm done here. I'm kidding, don't be bashful. Light, thank you, good. On day two, God makes something on day two. Joe, I'm sorry, but they were not listening during your sermon. Okay, we'll give you a pass. Oh, no, he's shaking his head. No, it was not the communicator. Ah, Brahm. Oh, good. The, you know, he separates the waters from the rot waters. So he creates a, the horizon, right? Okay, all right. Day three, he creates land. Good, lands and seas. Good. All right, let's see how you did. Light. Sea and sky, land and vegetation, pretty good. Okay, then we have days four, five, and six. And the reason we've done it like this is because we, be we believe there is some symmetry here between day one, four, two, five, three, six. And the reason is because we'll use this as a teaching point is that you kind of need to know two and five. So, but day four, the sun, moon, and stars. Good job. That's all right. That's okay. Sun, moons, and stars is on day four. Sun, moons, and... All right, day five. Hey, fishing birds. And then lastly, on day six, we have animals, and then we have humans. Very good. And then also, I want to... Oh, you can give yourself a hand for that. Oh, sorry. See how you did. Uh, also, you can give yourself another hand. The clipboard has made it to the front row on this side. Oh, just kidding. Was that premature? I got overexcited about the teaching. Okay, so here we go. This is where we are. We are on day five. And, the, and God said, let the waters, this is where we're at, day five here. And let the waters swarm with swarms of living creatures and let birds fly above the earth across the expanse of the heavens. You need to understand verse 20 and verse five and day two really do come together. Because God has created quite the habitat. So if you look at day two, what do you see? You see water and you see sky, right? And so what do you have inhabiting on day five? The thing that inhabits both the sea and the sky, right? How amazing is that? And so this is what happens on day two. And we need to understand day two because God has separated the waters from the waters. He's created a sky or an atmosphere. And then he's also the waters below. And here he is, God in his full, what we're saying, providential perfection 
has created an environment that is prepared for this fantastic cast of both fish and birds. We understand that God has created this unbelievable habitat that will precisely be able to hold both the fish and the birds and to support the life that God had in mind. So as he's doing here, he's already forecasting there. And that's why it's providential. That's why he's been able to produce so many wonderful things. So God lives in infinite creativity. We understand that if you just see these six days, you understand his creativity is amazing. However, what is both poetic, because you see the structure and profound, is that he has perfectly aligned everything And he's created an atmosphere and an environment that will house these things. And so we want to realize that God is wonderful and good. Oftentimes when we talk about the creation account, we talk about the things that God created, right? And so that's that's a good place um, to, to talk about. However, that's not the place that we need to begin because that's the byproduct of something. God has created something. However, there's something that precedes even his creation and it's his what? It's his character. And so in this sermon series, we're focusing on God's character that actually is then seen or manifested itself in the created order. And so that's why we're kind of pressing this idea of the structure or the symmetry because of this idea of uh, homeostasis. Homeostasis is a a word or an an idea that means balance. It means that things are, are in equilibrium, that there's able to be a balance on both sides. So when it comes to creation, homeostasis says this, is that if earth was too, a little bit closer to the sun, we would burn up. If we were a little farther from the sun, we would freeze to death. And so homeostasis says that we are exactly where we need to be. Does that make sense? And even if you understand gravitational pull, if there was too, or, or there was less gravity, we would float away. If it was a little bit more, we would be ground into the dust. And that's what homeostasis is. Too much oxygen, too little oxygen. Too much nitrogen, too little nitrogen. And we would just evaporate. Homeostasis says that we are in a balance or we are in the exact place that we need to be. And as believers, we either can give that over to just dumb luck or chance, or we can give God the credit that we believe that he deserves. So this whole summer, we're trying to look at creation and it's wonderful and it's beautiful and good. And you're gonna see pictures of birds and fishes today. And you're gonna be like, that's amazing, right? But it's not about aquariums, right? It is not just about becoming a bird watcher. Today is about God himself being able to provide perfect environment in order to be able to house these wonderful creatures. And if you don't give God the credit for that order, then that's where we need to start. All right, so let's first talk about day five, which are the fish, okay? There are small fish. There are large fish. There are beautiful fish. There are bizarre fishes. There are fishes in lakes and streams and oceans. There are fish that uh, love the salt water. And then there are some in freshwater. There are some fish that swim upstream. All fishes swim upstream and downstream. There are some fish that live outside of the water. There are beautiful fish like the betta fish. Look at that. This is where y'all go, wow. 
unbelievable. Wow. And that's fresh water. Most of the time, the, it's the, it's the, so, wow, look at that. Wow. Unbelievable. This, this is crowd participation. That's unbelievable. Right? That's a tiger shark. Yes. Whoa. That's a grainy tiger shark. That's amazing. Right? This, this is God in his creation saying, this is what I have done. Various kinds, an assortment, assortment, a variety of things. This is what he does. Sometimes he makes ugly ones though. Right, so this this is uh, so it's not it's not all magical. Sometimes you're like, well, Lord, it's because we needed the ink blot or something. I'm not sure. It's kind of like, why do we have gnats? I'm not sure about Brother Man. He is he's something to behold. But here, the affinity for all East Tennesseans, Appalachia, we love our trout. And this is I think it's just is this a rainbow or is this a brook? Mitchell, what is this? Just just guess. Okay, I think, this is, I think this is the rainbow. So did you know that there is an estimated 300 trillion, 500 billion different fish in the oceans alone? Did you know that there was, there are 18,000 different species of fish identified in the ocean? 18,000. But scientists say that there's probably 30,000 yet to be classified or identified. Did you know that fish use a variety of low-pitched sounds to convey messages to one another? They do not have vocal cords. I didn't know this. But they moan, they grunt, they croak, they boom, they hiss, they whistle, they creak, they shriek, and they wail in order to communicate with others. Some fish even rattle their bones in order to get somebody's attention. Seems weird to me, but that's it. All right, so here's the bad news though. Starfish and jellyfish aren't fish, right? Um, Bad news, Uh, girls, y'all are pretty. And, And guys like you, when you put on lipstick, bad news, most brands of lipstick contain fish scales. You knew that, I didn't know that. I thought there would be a little bit of a groan there. It's not true? Listen, all things on Google are true. So did did you know that fish can drown? I didn't know this, right? Because fish need oxygen. And so if, ah, so if a fish is in a polluted uh, thing of water, but it's devoid of oxygen, they will drown. So change your water. So this is special. And we want to understand that fish are special and they get their own day. And it gives us credit to the Lord. This is what he's able to do. And so the research is amazing. The data is amazing on, on fish, but they get their own day and God th- thought it was enough to be able to credit it back. Now, I've been um, reading the Bible for a long time now and studying it for a while. And so I am ashamed to say there is something in day five that I did not know. And it has to do with sea monsters. So raise your hand if you did not know that on day five, sea monsters were on day five. I'm the only one that knew about, no, who did not know that there were sea monsters on day five? There's only three of us. Everybody knew that there were sea monsters. I didn't know, that's right. (laughs) To Carly's point, we didn't even know that there were sea monsters, much less here on day five. Now I've got your curiosity, right? 
All right. All right. So sea monsters. Let's, let's read it again. All right. Verse 20 says this. Where am I? Okay. And God said, let the water swarm with swarms of living creature and let birds fly above the earth across the expanse of the heavens. Verse 21. So God created the great sea creatures. All right. So that little phrase, and I didn't know it, right? But that little phrase is also, uh, it should be uh, translated sea monsters or more accurately, sea dragons. I mean, okay, I told you day five is amazing. I mean, it really is great. All right, so the question is, so are there sea monsters? You can look, there's, you know, we, we can talk through that. All right, but the question is why? So, so why in the world would Moses mention a sea creature? This idea is the, the Greek word is tannin, T-A-N-N-I-N, which is also translated monster in the King James, but should be dragon. Why something specific like a great creature or a sea monster here on day five? Because if you look at day four, you have all kinds of, of plants and other things that don't get a particular, like, hey, a little bit of a shout out. But the shout out comes to the sea monster or shout out comes to the sea dragon. But the question is why? Well, because great sea monsters or literal dragons, they get multiple mentions in the scripture. So for instance, Job 41 says this, who can put your hooks and control the Leviathan? Remember, this is a sea dragon, all right? Or a sea monster. But Moses, inspired by the Holy Spirit, he brings this up, but the question is why? Well, because in ancient Egypt, remember the, the nation of Israel, all the Hebrews just left Egypt. And so they were, in, uh, just, they were influenced by the Egyptian culture and everything within the fertile crescent area. And that's where multitude of mythologies surrounding the great uh, sea monsters had more weight than God's word. And so this is what Moses is doing is he's trying to combat this idea. And the pagans believe that these sea creatures, because of their size or power, that they were the gods of the seas. And not only are they gods of the seas, but they were evil deities. And so what Moses is doing here on day five by giving them a worldview of what's important is he's actually coming alongside and say, actually God is the one who creates all things, even the sea creatures, even the sea monsters. And where some mythologies and pagans give credit to a God or even an evil God, we want you to know that everything that you see before the fall, everything that you see is good. And that's where we need to be this morning. So yeah, is he, is he not that pretty? Oh, I won't go that back that far. Is he that pretty? No, right? Is he a monster? Maybe. Is it good? The answer is it has to be. So day five, day five is this idea that God has created all things. If, if the Hebrews had, um, is that distracting? Uh, <laughs> Because I'm about to talk about Jesus, so we probably should. <laughs> it's good to have your wife on the front row. She's like, the, I, I can't not look. I can't turn away. It's kind of like a wreck. I can't look. Um, 
So if it had stayed in the evil realm or, or only a bad deity, then how would Jesus have been able to redeem it? And yet what you hear throughout the gospels is that what Jesus is doing is he's using fish and he's using them to point to the kingdom and be able to tell us things about who he is. I mean, just the most famous story is the idea that he fed the 5,000 with what, right? Some bread and a couple of fish. And so he wants to know, you to know something about the kingdom. The kingdom is amazing and it's expansive, right? And it's wonderful and it can be explained by a fish. Or take the calling of Peter, a fisherman, and his call to discipleship. And what he does is Peter's been fishing all night and he hasn't caught a thing. And so uh, Jesus says, hey, just push out to the deep. And what I want you to do, instead of throwing your net on one side, I want you to throw it on the other. And you know what happens. The fish uh, or the, the catch was so strong that it started to break the nets into the boat. There were so many fish, it was breaking the nets. And that's where Jesus was able to renounce to all things. And by the way, people, disciples, followers of Jesus, you're not gonna fish for fish anymore. You're going to fish for men. So men and women and children are gonna hear about the kingdom of God and be gravitated to it. And so this idea that it needed to be redeemed, Jesus is talking about fish in a wonderful way. All right, but what about birds? All right, what about birds? Birds of a feather flock together, right? This is, I had some fun this week. All right, birds of a, uh, uh, so where would we be without uh, God's natural alarm clock? Anybody up at five o'clock in the morning who didn't want to? And there's some squawking or chirping going on outside because they're up at the litter break at dawn, like you should be, but we're not because we're lazy and we need an alarm clock. If you slept with your windows open, you would be awake, right? If you let the natural sun, da, da, da. You see um, birds in the North Pole. You see them in the Sedan. You will find birds everywhere you go. There's big, there's small. Did you know which came first, the chicken or the egg? The chicken. Day five says what? Chicken. This is no longer a philosophical problem, right? We know it. We got it, right? But did you also know that Daniel McIntosh has never eaten a Chick-fil-A sandwich. You knew that. Never. And I mean, his sister is here this morning, right? And maybe she can attest to something not, but that's the story handed down by legend is one of the elders of our church has never had a Chick-fil-A sandwich. Do you also know that our other elder, Juan Carlos Savias, has a reoccurring dream? And this is the reoccurring dream is that somehow, someway, there's this evil rooster with man-sized hands. Well, not man-sized hands, but not wings chasing him in the middle of the night. And guess what? This bird never catches him. And so he's just perpetually running from this. But there are beautiful birds. If you want that, you want that one? There are beautiful birds, right? Look at this bird. It's amazing. Look at that. And that's an owl. And he's amazing. That's a duck. These are beautiful things. Um, these are birds. Um, so they're just really, really amazing. Uh, the flamingos. So, so wonderful. So flamingos. Oh, what did I, oh I'm sorry. This says flamingo. That says peacock. Yes. Don't do two things at once. This says, check out these birds. And then goes on to flamingos. That's a peacock. This says, did you know that flamingos, I don't have a picture of one, that they can, they can eat upside down. I didn't know that. Do you know that the ostrich hat is not only the largest bird, but also has the largest eyeballs? 
It cannot kill you. All right. Also, I need, I need a, I need a uh, chicken specialist. I got hung up on the chickens this week. Uh, all right. So someone told us on the World Wide Web uh, that the chicken's earlobe, the chicken's earlobe will dictate the color of egg she will produce. Yes or no? I, I, don't, I don't know these things. Huh? It co- oh, it, co- it correlates. See, we have verification. This, there we go. There, are, there were 300,000 pigeons used in World War I and II, of which I think 18 got a Medal of Honor. <laughs> Do you know that the Falcon can fly 242 miles an hour? I didn't know this. That's, again, wow. So to, to, to Jesus' point, so Jesus says, like, so what does it matter? What does day five matter? Well, he would then say, let's look at the kingdom. And he said, let's look at some birds. And he looks to the sparrows and he says, are you anxious? Do you worry about some things? And then he points to this, this bird that's just naturally pecking around in some field that has a beak that's able just to provide. And it's just like, look, I just want you to see my creation. And I want you to know that they have been put on planet earth to teach you something about me. The reason you shouldn't worry and the reason you shouldn't grow anxious is because God has provided for them. Don't you know? that God will provide for you. So all these perfect little beaks and wonderful little ways to build nests and those kinds of things, that's wonderful. But God wants to truly get the, get the um, credit for these birds and these fishes. So enough about the science, right? Enough about the, the science. Let's move on to some devotional things, all right? Let's move on to devotionally. The idea is that days one, two, three, and four, we've had inanimate objects galore. And for the very first time, you're going to see this thing called life. The swarms. You're going to find this thing called life. And God said, let the water swarms with swarms of living creatures and let the birds fly above the earth across the expanse of the heavens. So God created the great sea creatures and the every living creature that moves which, uh, with which the waters swarm according to their kinds, with every winged bird according to their kind. Up to this point, Moses has used repetition. And if you know, repetition and rhyme, those are kind of poetic structures in order to gain the listener's ear. And so do you know how the, uh, most of the, or all the days have begun? And God said, right? And so there's a repetition there. And then what's he say after that? And then God said, let there be or something like that. And at the end of all of these things, what does he say? He has two concluding thoughts and it was so. And then he says morning and evening, day, whatever. So all of this repetition, it means something. And so when you say, when you hear some repetition inside of a verse, it should slow you down. And so let the water swarm with swarms. So that should be like, oh, that's kind of fun, right? There's a little bit of a little alliteration. However, it's to, to point to something. Let the earth, uh, let the water swarm with swarms of living creatures, right? Over and over, we have a living creatures here because devotionally, you need to understand the reason that day five is so special is because life, this idea of something that's living has shown up. Before now, all we've had is inanimate objects. And yet now there's something new on the horizon and it comes after some of this repetition, this idea of 
of life is now unique. This idea of life has arrived. It literally means something with breath, breathes in and breathes out, breathes in and breathes out. It's very different from every other day of creation. Light is important and so is water and so is land and so is vegetation. However, it's not living in the sense that it doesn't have breath. It goes in and out like the way we would call life. So what is life? This passage tells us a couple of things about life. First and foremost is that life moves. Something that's unique to both fish and birds that the earth has not seen before is this idea that you are ambulatory, right? You're able to move back and forth. And so you have birds and we have fish acting in a certain way. Birds fly, fish swarm. Meaning that there's... There's, there's a delineation here on day five that we haven't heard and it's called movement because life moves. Living creatures have the ability to move, to become independent beings. That's very different from plants and rocks and land and waters, right? Now they move, a rock will fall down a slope or waters will ripple, ripple but they're not independent, right? They're not agents because fish and birds are able to zig and zag and go up and down and all these types of things. We haven't seen that yet. Day five is special because this life means that there's a movement to reality that we need to take, uh, take into account. This is life. This is life. But also life reproduces, Genesis 1.22 says this, and God blessed them and said, be fruitful and multiply. Fill the waters and seas and let the birds multiply on earth. And there was evening and, and morning the fifth day. So the, what else is life? It not just moves, but it's able to reproduce. Life, this idea of the way the biblical narrative looks at life is that it's, it's, it has reproductive rights. That self-replication is the key to understanding the difference between an inanimate object and what this understanding of nephesh is. Not to get technical, but where would we be without the reproduction? Where would we be without this idea of these flocks or these swarms or this idea that there should there could be an increase of population? Not to say that that is not the case with the sky or multiple suns or moons or even oceans. In fact, these things, these, these animals, these, these new things, animals and fish are able to reproduce. And reproduction is what sets living things apart. Batteries are amazing. Computers are amazing. AI will be amazing, right? Maybe. And as amazing things as they are, and they have like this, these life products about them, they will never be able to reproduce. God is saying something on day five that you need to hear because he's going to hear as far as repetition, be fruitful and multiply. We're gonna hear that again. So something starts on day five that then plays out in day six. And this idea is that with this cellular structure, however it works, that there is gonna be repetition, reproduction. So multiplication is similar on day six, and we will hear that. Multiplication is also in disciple making, where the kingdom of God is this idea that there's something that will continue on and on and on. We are people of movement, 
right? And that's why Abraham was called out of Ur and gone to a place. We're also a people who reproduce for we are from the the sons of uh, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. It just continues on with lineage after lineage. We can look back at the people who discipled us and say they are our spiritual fathers. Multiplication is the way that we offer life to the world. It's not just about being sedentary. It's not even just being spectacular like a sunset. It's this idea that are we moving and are we reproducing, not just in a natural sense, but also in a a spiritual sense. Also in this passage, and you can't get around it, this idea of abundance. You see swarms of swarms. You see this idea of fruitful and multiply. And you hear this little phrase, this precious phrase throughout scriptures is for you to fill the earth. The idea of abundance is a part of our biblical narrative. The idea that what abundance is, this is how Jesus came in, in John 10, 10, is that I've given you life and life what? Abundantly or to the full, right? The psalmist tells us in uh, Psalm 23, that our cup should what? Overflow. Even the idea of grace, unmerited favor, is this idea that it's a gift that we do not deserve. It's a pouring out. It's a blessing that we receive that we shouldn't have received. And that's why the prodigal son receives such lavishness from the father. And so on day five, you could trace back some of the abundance some of this idea of life that comes from movement and reproduction back to this idea that it has happened here. Back in Camp Redstone, we're working really hard to help our kids realize the power and the majesty of God. And we're trying to emphasize God's character as much as we are trying to uh, play up what he has created. The character of God seen on day five is this idea of abundance. For us this morning, do you think that God is stingy? Do you feel like God is withholding good things from you? Or do you see him as a generous or gracious or an overflowing God whose blessings are forevermore? Who does things like so abundantly, he will separate our sins or erase our sins as far as from the east is from the west. This is our God. This is the abundance that we see in our God alone. And it's rooted here in day five. His cup over, or our cups overflow because he is the one filling it. Our life is abundant because he has given us that life. We are able to be salt and life in the world because he is the one who is giving that grace to us. And so swarms of swarm and uh, fruitful and multiply and fill the earth are very scientific in our passage. But here devotionally this morning, do we worship a God who is full of abundant, full of abundant life. And he's doing this to you this morning. He's offering it more than he is withholding it. Somebody in here needed to hear that. Day five is amazing and it's beautiful and glorious. But the character of God seen in day five is that it is abundant. He is abundant. And for that, we're eternally grateful. So let's pray. King Jesus, we pray, Lord, that uh, we would spend some time contemplating who you are. 
for us to, to understand that, uh, God, you are good at all things. And so for that, Lord, we love you and we're grateful to you. I pray that there are, if there are some in here that um, have not even considered the fact that you are not stingy, but in fact, fully gracious and fully giving, that Lord, that they would see that this morning. We ask this in Jesus' name, amen.